Derek Forbert. He'll give it away in the neutral zone, but Shea can't handle it. Poster not. He'll leave it forward. Now send it across. Podcast with host Adam Gold, presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. The Kane's Corner Podcast is part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Kane's Corner Podcast. I am Adam Gold. Breathe, everybody. Survival. The Hurricanes are into round two. Don't know who that's going to be against. It'll either be the Pittsburgh Penguins or the New York Rangers. Series will, if my information is accurate, will start Tuesday at PNC Arena. Tuesday, Thursday, Raleigh. Saturday, Monday in either Pittsburgh or New York. 
Wednesday back in Raleigh. Is that the way this works? I don't know. We'll see. Um, I know there were a lot of nervous people. I was among them before the game today. But the Carolina Hurricanes did what they do. They went out and they did what they do. They limited Boston's chances at home with the Jordan Stahl line out checking Bergeron and Marsham. And uh, it was, for, for the most, most part, I believe it was always DeBrusque. They did not reunite perfection. It was one shift early in the second period, I believe. They put them together, but that was it. Uh, but Stahl's out there. just kind of calms things down. Pesci and Shea on the back end for the most part, although we did see a lot of Slavin and D'Angelo against them. Carolina at home is just a better team defensively. Boston isn't good enough throughout the lineup to really create problems. They have good players. I'm not trying to throw shade on the likes of uh, Craig Smith or uh, Charlie Coyle, who I think had a very good series. I think most of Coyle's work was done on special teams, but still very good player. Uh, Taylor Hall had another amazing opportunity to score, didn't. Eric Halla was sporadically effective. Um, but for the most part, Carolina's defense did this today. Ante Ranta was excellent when he needed to be. Uh, Carolina limited chances, not a lot of rebounds. Just a good, strong effort, top to bottom. And we'll remember it at the, as the Max Domi game, obviously, because goals are how you win. The Hurricanes scored three times. Domi had two goals and an assist. So we're going to talk about this as the Max Domi game. I, I get it. Jacob Slavin was the best player on the ice. And I'm not sure it was particularly close, to be honest. And that is taking nothing away from Pesci and Shea and Stahl and Ranta and Trocek and Teravainen. Carolina was really good top to bottom. Jacob Slavin was next level. Just absolutely amazing. 20 minutes, 24 minutes, three seconds, two assists, four takeaways, two block shots. Just always where you needed him. Always a stick in the right spot. The pass on the Domi goal was, uh, not the, the Teravonin goal. The, play, the pass by Slavin to get the play going. Absolutely insane. What a great player. An incredible player. We're going to talk to Shane Willison a little bit. Um, and I will tell Shane that I did not get a chance to watch the game on Bally's. Um, because everybody knows, all year long, I have been getting uh, Hurricanes games on television through the ESPN Plus app. That's the that's now the, the streaming home uh, of basically the NHL center ice package, which is fine. In the playoffs, though, because I can't get Bally's through YouTube TV, I've been using a VPN and getting it through the app, I don't have access to Bally's, so I had to watch the game nationally. ESPN and TNT games, or Turner games, were all the blackouts were lifted, so I've been able to watch uh, and watch the game on ESPN today. And all throughout the game, they kept saying about how, you know, Slavin's one of the best defensemen, defensive defensemen in the league, one of the most underrated. And at one point, Ray Ferrara had to go, he's just great. He's just one of the best defensemen in the game. And yes, 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 yes. He's one of the best defensemen in the game. 
The problem is you don't become a Norris Trophy candidate until you're up nearly a point a game. And Roman Yossi is going to win it this year. I'm not knocking Roman Yossi. I'm not even saying that Slavin is better than Roman Yossi. What I am saying is that there ain't much to diff- There ain't much of a difference. And in this series, Jacob Slavin was crazy. Two goals, six assists, plus 10. About 23 and a half minutes a game. Eight points in seven games. Tony D'Angelo had eight points. He was a plus six. I thought D'Angelo was sneaky, excellent today. Under control, Tony D'Angelo. Uh, look, the Hurricanes were excellent today. They win it 3-2. Move on. Take on the Rangers and the Penguins. Should be a blast. Absolute, absolute blast. I waited a long time to tell you that we're brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. No place like it. Sammy Hanna and his crew do a great job. Go check them out. Free to obligation estimate online for all of your exterior home improvement needs. All right, here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to go through the some of the uh, key plays of the game quickly. Then we're going to talk to Shane Willis and then we're going to let you hear from uh, some of the particulars in the game. Uh, you'll, you'll hear from Jordan Stahl. You'll hear from Max Domi and Auntie Ronta. Um, but uh, I want to get as much, as much as we can in here in not a very long period of time. All right, so, Carol, the, the first period, I thought it reminded me of the first two games in Raleigh, even game five in Raleigh. Boston's best moments were early. They had some great chances to score. Ain't a better chance than this one. Derek Forbert. He'll give it away in the neutral zone, but Shea can't handle it. Pasternak. He'll leave it forward. Now send it across. Mind-blowing how good a save that was. Here's the thing about it. It was the second-best save or the second great save he made in the period. But that's the one that really pops, right? There was one, I think it was before that, where uh, Pasternak had a great opportunity. Kind of through traffic, it looked like it might have even been deflected, and Ronta got the leg to it. Just a really good save. But on this one, Ronta had to push to go side to side. That's a goal. Taylor Hall has to score that. And Ronta denied him. Kept it scoreless. Then we get to the end of the period where uh, the Jacob Slavin show begins, or the Max Doby show begins. Um, and the the offensive play really started with Trocek speed behind the net. He circles uh, around behind the net, and he passes it out front to Slavin. Slavin surveys. A passing lane opens up, a diagonal pass from Slavin's point on the left across to the goal, across to the right of the goal where Max Domi is there. The pass kind of goes through bodies. I mean, it's not a ton of traffic. Uh, It looked like, I think it was uh, Trent Frederick. His his stick was off the ice. I don't think it went through him, but it definitely went under his stick. And he gets to Max Domi just on the right side of the goal, and Domi... Gathers it, brings it out front, throws it over to Taravino to just bunts it home. Uh, one nothing. So the Trocek play was great. 
the pass from Slavin to Domi was just spectacular. And then Teravainen right there in front, maybe a breakdown in Boston, uh, Boston's blue line because there were two guys who really had none of them. There were two guys who could have been on Teravainen, nobody on Domi, and that it was just just not a good play defensively by Boston's blue line. Uh, and it's one nothing Carolina late in the period. Was what, what was the uh, the time officially? Eighteen thirty six to make it one nothing. Then we get in the second period. Carolina's got a four minute power play, about a little less than a minute of it in the like fifty eight seconds of it at the end of the first. Nothing happens, uh, and then they get the, the, like three minutes and two seconds uh, on clean ice to start the second period. The power play was okay. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't like one of those that sucks the life out of you. But Carolina didn't score out of it. They got some chances, and that's fine. But it was the shift right after the power play expired that, to me, set the tone for the game. And Max Domi's on the ice with Jordan Stahl and Jesper Faust. Nino Niederreiter's part of the power play unit, so he was not on the ice uh, on that shift. And in that particular play, ultimately, Carolina, even though they didn't score in the power play, they maintain possession of the puck. So you get that bump-up shift. Now the puck comes out to Brady Shea, gets a good quick shot on goal. Jordan Stahl in front. He deflects it with his stick. It actually deflects wide of the goal to the left, but there's Domi who goes, I think it was forehand, backhand, and in 2 nothing. Just an absolute brilliant, brilliant goal. Uh, now Carolina leads 2 nothing. Now, it's not all great. It's not all sunshine and, uh, and, and daisies. Uh, because about two minutes later, Stahl lines on the ice. Jordan Stahl's coming out of the offensive zone. And I'm trying to remember who made the play defensively for Boston. But they essentially, from behind, knocked the puck off of Jordan Stahl's stick. And it goes into the neutral zone, and Boston's, Boston brings it back in. And it's Bergeron and Marchand and DeBrusque. And ultimately, uh, McAvoy gets the puck over to DeBrusque, who deflects it in. And it's 2-1. So everybody was excited for 2 nothing and thinking about, oh my gosh, we're going to run away. And all of a sudden, it's 2-1. And now you're in a completely different hockey game. The Carolinas settled down. It wasn't like Boston was taking over the game. They didn't. Carolina was still the better team. In fact... I think the second period was Carolina's best period in terms of limiting Boston's chances. Think about this. The Bruins had two scoring chances in the entire, according to the natural stat trick, in the entire second period. Two. And seven in the first. Remember, they had a bunch early. Two scoring chances in the entire second period. Just incredible. Uh, that's what Carolina did today. They really limited the Bruins' chances. But it's 2-1. Here's the sequence midway through the period. Chance for Boston on one end midway through the period, and it ends up going the other way. Frederick shot. That rings the post. Frederick got loose. Ronta might have gotten a piece, and his left post got the rest of it. Trocek will let it go set up for Domi. scores! It was a great play by Tavo Teravainen uh, on the left wall. That was not Trocek. It was Teravainen who had the puck. 
Uh, Slavin gets into Turbo. This is uh, Max Domi coming from the right side of the ice across towards the slot. Uh, Teravon had found him. Quick shot. And it's 3-1 Carolina. And from that point on, Boston didn't do a ton. Third period, Boston was obviously better. Uh, I think Carolina, you know, was trying to protect a little bit, which you never like to see. But Boston is also coming out desperate. Carolina's trying to minimize the damage. And they did a great job of it. There really were. There were some chances. No question. Bruins had some chances. Charlie Coyle had a puck just go right off his stick. That should have been a goal. Should have been 3-2 a lot earlier than it was 3-2. And then I have no idea what Brady Shea was doing with 20.5 seconds left. Actually, it was more than that. Probably 30 seconds left. He's about to clear the, clear the puck out of the zone. His stick explodes. He denies Vincent Trocek's offer of his stick. And Shea just skated to the bench for another one. Like, dude, we could use your body here. We could use your body. Anyway, 3-2, Pasternak scores, 20.5 left. There was some squirrely, uh, there was some squirrely moments late, but the Hurricanes survived. Here's how it sounded. It was amazing. It was amazing. A few numbers, then we're going to take a break. Shane Willis will join us. Uh, Slavin, 24 minutes, two assists, plus two, four takeaways, two block shots. Brett Pesci, 22 and a half minutes. He blocked three shots. He was key on the lone Boston power play. Can I just say? One power play. One power play for the Boston Bruins tonight. And that was a delay of game puck over glass by Brendan Smith. Uh with what, seven or so, maybe a little bit less than seven minutes left. Brady Shea, 22 and a half minutes to take away, block shot, six shot attempts, uh, and then the brain fart. Don't, don't understand. Um, Andrei Svechnikov didn't score, no assist, wasn't great offensively, threw his body around. Eight hits, five shot attempts. Uh, Sebastian Ajo, uh, we, we say this about guards in basketball, they play a good floor game. I thought Sebastian Ajo was on top of it. Tonight, defensively, uh, played twenty-one, a little over twenty-one minutes, only three shots on goal. Uh, but Rod Brindamore isn't putting you out there for twenty-one minutes if you're not doing something right. Tony D'Angelo, solid, twenty-one and a half minutes uh, in the game, and a calming influence. Yeah, I just said that out loud. A calming influence. All right, Max Domi only played thirteen minutes in the game. 12.55, but he was a plus three. Obviously, he had the three points. I thought Vincent Trocek was excellent tonight. Four hits, played just under 17 minutes. Tavo Teravine, maybe his best game of the series. Uh, that line had some chemistry tonight as well. And the Hurricanes are moving on. Team effort, four for four at home. By the way, as we uh, hit the break, first time in Hurricanes history, they had won all four home games in a series, first time. Shane Willis, Hurricanes TV and radio. I assume that's going to continue, by the way, in the second round when they kick local television out. 
Yeah, it's unfortunate that our Bally's crew, you know, the best in the league, doesn't get to keep you bringing this coverage to your home. But obviously the national coverage will take over with ESPN and TNT, not knowing which ones will do our game. But the big rig and I will be on the radio bringing it to you on 9-9 The Fan. So we'll keep it energized. It was, it was an awesome run. I truly enjoyed being up there with the rig and trying to bring some insight to the fans. Uh, let's uh, let's get right to it. We're going to call it the Max Domi game for obvious reasons, but I don't want to start with Max Domi. Can we start with Jacob Slavin, please? No. Oh. I mean, the, the way he contains the best of the best. Uh, we had a breakdown in the first period. Of, he, he was on Marshan covering yeah. him. And just for a big guy, his footwork is unreal. And everyone always talks about skating, right? And I think when people say you got to be a great skater to play in the National Hockey League, and people sometimes think of just straightaway speed. Uh-huh. But the way Jacob Slavin moves laterally and how quick he really is with his crossovers, and then, I mean, I keep wanting to ask the guy if he played, like, racquetball as a kid, tennis. I mean, did he hit home runs with one hand? Because the way he knocks pucks around with his stick is unreal. And it's just the way he shuts him down, it was with his stick, his body position. And again, tonight, he was a big reason why that line, I mean, until the end when they got that bounce off the broken Brady Shea right. stick play, um, was nullified here again tonight. Look, he was, uh, he was great. He was really great offensively in this series too, uh, which is, it's funny because um, where, where I am, I had actually no access to Bally's in this, um, in this series because I've been getting my ballys all year long through the ESPN app, and oh, one, so now you got to watch their stuff. Yeah. So during the playoffs, I have no access. So, which was kind of a bummer because I wanted to hear you and Mike. Uh, but Steve Levy kept talking about you know uh, what a great defensive defenseman, and uh, Ray Ferraro was like, Steve, he's just great. He can do yeah. so much, um, and the pass that he made to Domi for the Teravainen goal that made it one nothing. Um, I got to go back and watch that replay again. Obviously, we see the replays. Did it go between the Bruins yes. players' legs? I don't, I don't. Well, I think it went under. It was Frederick's stick, I believe. Yeah, it, it definitely almost went like it through went him. I don't legs. know if it went between his. I don't know if he nutmegged him, uh, but, right. <laughs> but he it it definitely went through him. Um, there was a lane, but it the, the lane was bigger initially. So it's sort of closed, but I mean the pass just a great cross ice pass. It set up the whole play. Max Domi didn't even uh, he didn't even wasn't a tic tac toe because he gathered it and then then kind of pulled it back to the middle of the ice a little bit and then fed Teravon it. But it's just an incredible first pass. Yeah, and the vision. I mean Jacob Slavin will give credit to all his defensive partners out there, but the vision, the way they play with their heads up. Like to see that play, you go with the second goal. Um, Max Domi scores in the second period. Like the head up shot by Brady Shea to make sure it gets yep. through the lane to the net where Jordan Stahl is. It's a heads up play by Slavin, no question. And, you know, we're lucky we get to see it day in and day out. Not enough credit from around the National Hockey League for this guy and what he does on a nightly basis. It's funny. Uh, th- this goes well back into the season. I was talking to Tony D'Angelo after a game. And I asked him about Slavin. It was a time where um, there were a bunch of guys out and Slavin had to play a ridiculous number of minutes, like 29 minutes. Uh, and D'Angelo said he should play that much every night. Um, he said, it's just, I get to, I get a chance to watch it. He was just marveling at all the things that, uh, that Slavin, 
Clay was able to do. I thought one of the underrated things, as, as I, I, I'll get to Max Domi here, one of the underrated things of the game was how good Tony D'Angelo was defensively today. Because there wasn't a ton of offense in this game at all for either side. Uh, it was a low-event type of game. I thought Carolina's best offense was probably maybe from the 10-minute mark of the first period through the, through the middle of the second, and then basically there wasn't much else the rest of the game. But I thought D'Angelo was really solid defensively tonight. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that's the thing when you look back at this entire series, tonight's game obviously separated by one goal, but all the other games in a 5-1, 5-2, 5-2, 5-1, they were a lot tighter than those games showed and I agree with you tonight it was again extremely tight defensively for both teams creating offense but Tony D'Angelo I'm going to go back even at the first period where he takes that real hard hit behind the net he kind of gets blindsided Vincent Trocha comes in and I don't know if you noticed but Tony D'Angelo races up and grabs Vincent Trocha and says it's okay let it go obviously the ref had already called a penalty on Vincent Trocha as well but I was like, that is different because there's certain emotions of Tony D'Angelo. When he knows it's go time, like he's going to get involved and get it going. But he knew tonight that he had to keep everything completely in check with his emotions and how he played defensively um, throughout this game. And I agree with you. Defensively, he was there all night long and playing so strong with Jacob Slavin because they had to be matched up against that top line a lot here tonight. Yep, they did. Um, all right, now to Max Domi. Here's a guy who, look, the the Hurricanes, they did what they did at the trade deadline. They, um, I was, I'm not against Max Domi. There were other options, I guess, for them, but they did not want to pay the prices at the trade deadline. And they went out, got a guy who actually fits in very well. Uh, Domi didn't change the world like some other guys did. He wasn't Claude Giroux. He wasn't even Andrew Kopp that the Rangers picked up. But he fits in very well. And he can, he does a variety of things. And I give him a lot of credit for waiting until Game 7 to explode. Well, I, was, I, I might be the one guy, but I think the organization knew too, and they have been waiting for this game for Max Domi. Because if you look at this guy's career and where he played and why he was drafted so high, he has offensive talent. He has the ability to shoot like he did on his second goal. And tonight, one of the things that I loved about and what I like about their line, I mean, everything just kind of meshes together so well. They complement each other so well. Taravino with his vision and passing, Trochik with his grit and tenacity to find pucks and be around the net. I love the look of this line. And tonight, they get the matchup to me that they needed in this game to explode and really score a ton of goals for this team. Um, and it's a game, from an organizational and team standpoint, that you needed from this line. Because yeah. now you go into the second round and be like, boy, Ajo's line's going. Jordan Stahl's line gets big and bold and starts putting the puck in there. And now we have our depth all rolling across the board. But you look at the trade they made. They didn't want to shake up a bunch of things in the locker room. They added a piece to me that I told Mike after the show was over, I said, we keep saying this is the best game he's played. This is yep. the best game he's played. And tonight, this is the best game Max Domi's played since he's been here. But I don't think he's done yet. I think this guy has plenty more to give. And you'll look back at the trade deadline and be like, how did the Canes pull off these 
these moves. And I think it goes back to Don Waddell, you know, Justin Williams, Darren York, Eric Tolkski, you know, Tom Dundon is fully involved. Right. And, and, and the, and the communication with Rod Brinamore, because that's another thing. A lot of GMs go and be like, Hey, I got you this guy. And the coach is like, I don't want him. <laughs> you know, how is he going to affect the culture in right. my room? But Rod Brinamore has a voice in that room and how you talk about culture and working together. And that's a big part of it. And Max Domi got a nod from everyone in that room and they made it. It was, a you know, the last five minutes, I think before the trade yes. deadline, they got it done. And right now, it looks like the best trade of the trade deadline besides a guy like Claude Giroux who contributed to Florida closing that series out in for the Cavs last night. Yeah, that, I, I watched that. That was uh, that was quite a thing. Uh, but the, something I, I did I did say he just Domi just fits his versatility. You could use him in the middle. He won three faceoffs tonight. You could use him on either side. He he plays with a little bit of an edge. Uh, he is a great passer, which. It maybe is to this team's detriment at times, and that's not just him. That's everybody, including uh, including Aho, uh, including Svechnikov at times. Uh, but he just fits, and good for him uh, for coming through. And I hope you're right. I hope there's uh, there's another another level for Max Domi to get to because there should be a lot of hockey left for this team to play. All right, to the big man. I, I mean, Patrice Bergeron's a great player. Brad Marchand is a great player. And Jordan Stahl just, I guess, just swallows them whole. I don't know. Um, he's so hard to play against. Uh, he's just so positionally sound. And that line is so good. Uh, did he call them his lineys today? Yeah. He he, they got the lineys call. But, okay. like, uh, and, and that's where I was going to stretch it to. There's no question. And I remember, I mean, it's coming up along 11 years ago when I first started in this role and then, you know, six years ago doing television things, being around Jordan Stahl and actually seeing his strength and size and what he can do daily out on the ice. But when you look at this and what it takes to shut down a line like Bergeron is your linings. And Nino Niederreiter to me has come into his own this year and the way he's played not only defensively but offensively. And then Jesper Foss, who's, he is not the biggest guy but how hard he works and the battles he wins along the boards to get pucks out. Because the Bergeron lines were just looking for turnovers. They're going to keep coming at you. The more chances you give them, they're going to eventually put it in the net. Yep. But if you minimize the chances and get those pucks out, and I think that's why Jordan Stahl looks at his line mates and gives them credit. Because they're standing along the boards, taking shots and getting pucks out. And then if they do get in the offensive zone, they just swallow you like a blanket. Like I couldn't imagine going into a corner with Jordan Stahl saying, I'm going to get the puck away from this guy. Right, he just right. puts his elbows out and says, "Come and try and get it." Um, but I do think it's such a line effort from them. And yes, for Foss and Nino Niederreiter, they would get the most credit from their captain saying, "These guys are a huge part." And the defense was a huge part tonight, as you mentioned, in Jacob Slavin and Tony D'Angelo or Brett Pesci and Brady Shea when they when they were on the ice with this line. Yeah, and I was going to get to the uh, Pesci Shea thing in a second. Yeah, I just want to go back to the line because. At the beginning of the season, they started with Stahl, Faust, and Niederreiter. And that line was playing great. Then Nito got hurt. It took about a month and a half. Obviously, Nito had to come back into the lineup. But it even took a few few more weeks after that for Rod to get back to that line. Basically, they have been together since the middle of December. And while Stahl is amazing and Faust is one of the smartest players I've ever seen, I'm not sure that the key to that line being as good as it has been 
has been Niederreiter's dedication to the defensive side of the puck and the offense that he gives them because it has made that line dangerous when they get the zone time. And, like, I don't even want to project and think about, you know, beyond this year. But Nito, I think, has opened up a ton of eyes about what his role can be on a team. And and what he means to this team. And I go back even, when you look when you talk about a guy like Ajo and Teravainen, they've always had the offensive skill. But when Rod challenged them to start killing penalties and really truly doing it right in the defensive zone is where both of them, to me, has taken it to another level. And Nino Niederreiter is the same way. The buy-in, as you mentioned, the buy-in factor he has defensively is what creates offense at the other end. Because all this line has to do defensively is once they get the puck out, once they get it down there, you're in trouble. His shot continues to gain confidence where he gets positionally. And I think one of the things that he feeds off of Jordan Stahl is the compete level that Jordan brings. And now Nino is at that level. And it's not a question of, are we going to get it tonight? Are we going to get it for two games from Nino? Are we going to get it for three and then off for two? It's that consistency night in and night out, to compete, to utilize that great shot and offense that he has, but to be defensively minded, as you mentioned, every single game with his linemates. And he's had just an amazing year, and he he came up big in the beginning part of this series offensively. But he's just, he's a load to play against too. And he's a big part of that forecheck, going into corners, getting pucks, keeping pucks alive. Uh, all right, now to Pesci and Shea. We'll uh, we'll kind of wrap here, and then we'll get to uh, Auntie Ranta. Um, that pair has been together basically since Brady Shea showed up and Brett Pesci got healthy again. And they feed off each other well. Uh, Brett is an underrated skater, I believe. I don't think he's going to win any foot races, uh, but he knows how to get out of trouble. Uh, they both have some upside offensively. They have they have some game offensively. They just pair together really well. And I thought Brett especially. I mean, there were many nights, many uh, you know sequences tonight where he played well. But when Boston got their power play, he blocks the shot, he deflects a pass, and he gets the puck out of trouble. He, I I thought I thought they were both great tonight. Well, look, you'll have to explain what Brady Shea was thinking on the. Uh, the posture not goal in a second, but uh, what your thoughts on that pair? Yeah, and it's it's to me when you look at all the pairs that the Hurricanes have playing together, it's it, defensively it's different than a forward line. If you're not scoring, you can switch things up, switch a winger here or there. Defensively, the more you leave guys together, the better. And these guys have played together as you. you I was going to say since birth, it seems like. Um, but you you have to read off of each other. You have to be willing to take hits to make plays. And you mentioned skating. Brady Shea probably skates a little bit better than Brett Pesci, but Brett Pesci is no slouch either with his footwork. But when you play together as long as they do, you have those senses of when a guy's up, can I slide over to make sure I'm here early? You know, making those reads off of each other. And it comes second nature because they've played together so long. And they do such good things together. You mentioned about blocking shots. Brady, Brett Pesci had one late in that game. Yeah. And to go down on one knee, and I'm, I'm telling you, these guys that are off the flanks are some of the most elite scorers in the league with rockets. So to sit there and say, I'm going to go down on one knee and this is going to hit me somewhere, I hope yeah. it doesn't hit me in the face. But they, they're not flinching. They're going down and we're like, okay, I'll take it. And it's time after time and it's that sacrifice and buy-in 
that Brett Pesci's had since day one of being here, since Brady Shea has had since being here. And they're a huge part uh, and cornerstones of a defense that you need. You know, I look at Boston, they have some gritty, hard-nosed players on the back end. Yeah. But they're two, they're two guys heavy. You have Lynn Hull and McAvoy playing together, then you have a massive drop-off to your next four. Yes, Forbert and those guys can hit and, and grind, but they're not the depth that the Hurricanes have. From a playmaking, offensive ability, all of those things, and, and the Canes have that throughout their pairing um, down to Smith and Cole as well. All right, final thing for Shane Willis. Before the series started, I listened to a lot of NHL radio on satellite. And basically across the board, it was, no Freddie Anderson, I don't know how the Hurricanes can win. I guess they had missed all the games that Auntie Ranta had to play this year because Ranta was good. And in the last 10 or 15 games of the regular season that he played, he was actually, at least performance-wise, better than Freddie. So my only concern was, would he be durable enough? Beginning of the series, and what we weren't sure, Peter Kachetkov played very well uh, to win game two. I didn't think he played poorly at all in game three. He just lost. Um, but Ranta was, I mean, a 927 save percentage and six appearances in the series. That ain't bad. Yes, and I agree with you that people overlooked his finish to the season because he was very good. And I definitely had the confidence in Auntie Ranta going into the playoffs because of those last, you know, two weeks of the season and what he did. Now, the game in New York, when Kochetkov played, I was like, wow, this kid's got some game too. Yep. And so I can say, because I love both these guys, as a guy sitting in my room and people ask me all the time, you know, offline, they're like, what would you do tonight? You know, the, you know, game five, what would you do? What would you do? I was like, there's part of me because I'm going to send out a full apology right now to Auntie Ranch because I was like, I might go with the kid, you know, just because he's got that spunk. He doesn't already know, you know, he's right. got the smile on us. He doesn't care what the score is. But all of that right now is my mom and my aunt used to say, well, now you're eating crow. And I truly do because Auntie Ranta in game five here, Auntie Ranta in game six in Boston was not his fault. Auntie Ranta in game seven. A huge reason that the Hurricanes are moving to the second round. And to see him after the game, how happy he was, and how bad he wants this. He said this was the best game of his life, winning this game. And to see him sit there in the, in the, in the press conference, his daughter come in, yeah. this guy had two difficult losses at the start of the season. And no one can imagine what he went through trying to play after the loss of his father and what he had to deal with. And everything in a new place takes time. And this guy has hit stride perfectly at the right time. No one, no one still knows the answer about Freddie Anderson. Right. Of Is he going to skate tomorrow? When can he play? But as a team, full confidence in Auntie Ront and what he's done in this first round series. Yeah. It's a day of rest, and then, and then they get ready for round two. The, the team's okay. We, we've, we've watched them enough. Uh, they're not. I, I use this comparison. They're not in a situation like the Pittsburgh Bengals. Well, yeah. Oh gosh, the, who are down to number th- like you're down to number three in Louis Domingue. Uh, and did, I have respect for Louis Domingue because he can play in a league. But that is a uh, as a player, you're going into that game tomorrow, game seven, being like, Oof, we might have to score four." That was that was a hard goal to allow. Yeah, to big. That was a tough. But the one. Hurricanes. So if the Penguins do pull it out. 
you know, no one knows about Jari, how close he is. Right. Ronta against Deming, take that all day long. And right now, the way he's playing, Ronta against Shosturkin, I'll take that matchup. I've, I've because always, he, can, he can match him. Yeah, I've always said this about the Hurricanes, and maybe it's just because of the way they play. I've always thought it's about everybody in front of the goalie. You need your goalie to be great to ultimately win a cup. But I think they can get out of a series with just good, timely goaltending if they mm. play the right way in front. Like, I completely agree. So it, 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 I think that gives the goalie even more confidence, right? Knowing I got a great team in front of me. I don't need to win this game on my own. I don't need to post a shutout. Right. We have enough firepower, and I have enough guys. I have six defensemen in front of me. They're going to block 10 of these 30 shots I'm going to face. So I just got to keep this one close. And I think that, you know, all the way around, the saves he makes helps the players, and the plays the players make help the goaltender, and it's a it's a well-oiled machine. All right, sir, we got another series, Shane Willis. I'm excited. We'll be, we'll be listening to you on the radio, and I will bug you if you'll allow me. Always, my friend. I'm always here to give you some honest breakdown. Like I said, a great first-round matchup. Everyone can celebrate tonight and get ready for next week. Absolutely. Who you want, Rangers or Penguins? Well, depending on the health of the Penguins right now, right? Sidney Crosby, is right. he going to make it or not? Um, you know, they're both great teams. As Rod says, every team left is elite. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Don't care who it is. I'm just glad we got another one. All right, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, man. Let's roll through the locker room stuff, and we're going to start with the goaltender, Auntie Ranta. Uh, we'll obviously start with the save on Taylor Hall, but here was Ranta for the series. 165 shots, 153 saves, 927 save percentage, three wins. Tremendous, but that save on Taylor Hall, man. You know, I, uh, Hall was coming with, with a lot of speed and, and, you know, then, I don't know, was it instincts or, or something? You just feel that he's, he's went to his backhand and, and, you know, then it just, when you saw the pass going, you just tried to do something, tried to get something in front and I was able to get my leg there and, and you know, keeping it out from the net and, and it's... Uh, like this series when it was, it was huge for us to get the first goal, and, and you know I think that kind of calmed us down a little bit also, and, and then we pretty much went from there. Uh, you know, it's it's always you know <laughs> you try to make those saves and and you know, you know get the lead, and especially in the playoffs, it's a it's a big one. You know, get get the lead, don't have to chase the game, and and you know so. It was obviously nice to nice to make that that from save where, for sure. From from where you're standing during the game, how different is the game when Bergeron's on the line, when Jordan stalls the guy who's chasing him around, and, and that whole line. I don't, I don't want to make it just about Jordan, but when that whole line, and also Shea and Pesci are shadowed them most of the series. Yeah, it's you know, we we had our troubles in 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 games when when we played in Boston and they had their last chance and uh, change, and you know, I think that was. You know, I think we did a pretty good job, even though you know they they were. And uh, but yeah, Chordos line did a did a great job. You know, it's it's box deep, box deep and and just forechecking and and keeping the box there. So you know, when when you when you get get those guys to, to defend a lot, you know, it will take the little bit out from the the 
offensive plays. So uh, you know, I think that was a big, big, big for us to to get our number one line there. <laughs> when we started the season, Freddie, Freddie was unbelievable straight away, and you know, I I was kind of fighting my way back to the back to the game, and and you know, there was some some ups and downs in early on in the season, and you know, then I think. Uh, since the All-Star break, it started to feel like I, I was also contributing there. And, and, you know, I think guys started to trust me also. And, and they knew I was able to show that I can, I can also do the job. And, you know, I think when the, when the playoffs started, you know, obviously you want to you have the confidence as a, as a group. And, and, you know, when, when one of the, the best goalies in the league gets, goes down, down in an injury, it's obviously it's going to... It's gonna sting a little bit, but uh, you know, like like we've been playing the whole year, the team is in front of me is doing a great job. So you know, I just tried to do my job. Look, if the Hurricanes have to start the next series with Ante Rantan goal, everybody feels good. All right, nobody's upset about that. We said at the beginning of the year when they signed these two guys, when they signed Anderson and when they signed Ranta, Anderson was signed to be the guy. But if he ever got down to it, Ranta's numbers actually are better than Freddie's. We're just sort of leaving that out there. All right, now to the trade deadline acquisition. Max Domi, who never had a postseason goal until tonight. Never. I don't know how many spots up in the standings he jumped when he went from Columbus to Carolina, but it certainly didn't suck and it paid off tonight. I mean, obviously, I was pretty lucky to come to a team like this and uh, didn't take it for granted. Um, very fortunate. So it was, uh, it was a fun stretch down the end there. Um, got to kind of get adjusted and get comfortable. But, uh, I mean, obviously, that was a heck of a series for our whole team. And I tip your cap to Boston. They, they played outstanding. And, I mean, they got some veteran players there that are they're the real deal, obviously. I mean, guys that I've looked up to for a long time. So uh, to be able to come out on top in Game 7 is, is, is great. Um, it's a huge win. I mean, we had everyone going tonight. we got to get ready to go for the next one now. You tied the family record for goals in a postseason tonight. Um, with dad? Two. Yeah, your dad had two in one year. Um, cool. <laughs> did you get a sense after you got the first one that things were going your way? Uh, no, you know, I think, uh, I mean, in the playoffs, you got to have a pretty short memory. And, um, I mean, like I said, they're a great team. We knew it was going to be a tight game tonight. Uh, both teams had everything on the line. And, uh, I mean, we found ways to score and capitalize on the chances we had. So, um, overall, I mean, you look at the first one, it's a heck of a play by Slavo, and Turbo buried it. So it was a big goal. And then um, I'm not sure who it was, but uh, maybe Shazy and, and, and Jordan tipped it and it was just kind of sitting there on the second one. And on the third one, that's an unbelievable play by Vinny getting in the forecheck and an even better pass by, by Turbo. So um, I was just the lucky guy in the end of it for all three. So um, overall, we'll, we'll take it and um, huge win. You feel like your performance tonight kind of speaks to how anybody, any given night, can, can be the hero for the Kings? That's what we're all about, honestly, is we have, we have four lines in, in 60 and uh, two goalies and, and guys aren't even in the lineup that can make a difference. So, And now we'll get to the captain, Jordan Stahl, who did what Jordan Stahl does, right? It just helps you win. It's a great rebound game. Um, everyone was engaged, involved, winning battles, doing whatever they could to chip in for a win, and we, we had to have it if we were going to beat that team. And, um, some big individual efforts, obviously, you need that as well, but uh, everyone was involved, and it was, uh, it was a good win. How about that save by Rance in the first period when it's 0-0? Yeah, Rance, Rance obviously been good all series, and um, he 
made a couple of timely saves tonight and um, just another piece uh, um, that we needed uh, to get a W. There have been some, obviously, as we've talked about, some wider scores in this series, but that was a close game right right down to the last seconds, really. Is there a sense of relief in getting out of that um, or just exuberance in, in, in advancing? And how hard fought a series was it, honestly, on the ice? Yeah, it was a very tough team. Uh, all series was back and forth and um, a lot of momentum changes and different stuff that you kind of have to deal with mentally. And our, I thought our group was was getting better at as we went and um tonight was another one that we kind of just stayed as uh on track like we wanted to in game six it didn't happen but um you know we stayed on track and played our game you know for the whole game and um and that's what we have to do obviously uh if we want to keep moving forward in this uh playoff and um but um you know we knew it was gonna be a tight game um i know it was some big wins here and there but um you know that game was was expected to be tight i think how much do you relish the chance to get to go head-to-head with Bergeron in a Game 7 instead of them dodging you a bit like they did back in Boston? Yeah, what a player. Um, what a uh, good line and, um, you know, dangerous uh, every time they go on the ice. So um, my line is we're so solid. Um, they're very smart with the puck, and, you know, we made sure, obviously, we, we created a couple of good chances, but obviously taking away theirs was our number one goal, and, um, you know, that you know, it was uh, nice to be uh, on the good side of it. Stahl had a really good series, four points, and all the defensive work that he did on Bergeron, Marchand, and wasn't really Pasternak here in Raleigh. Uh, the four games here was really Pasternak. Uh, the perfection line was a thing, what, for part of game two? And I don't believe they weren't a thing in game five. They weren't even a thing in game six up in Boston. Uh, but Stahl was great. Faust was great. Niederreiter was great. Uh, it was a pretty good series, wasn't it? Canes win it in seven games. They have now won all six seventh games since relocation. Eastern Conference Finals in 06 against the Buffalo Sabres. Stanley Cup Finals the next round against Edmonton. They win uh, at New Jersey in the opening round in 09. At Boston in overtime in uh, the second round of the playoffs in 09 at Washington, double overtime in 19. Six straight, game seven wins. I guess there's a connection to Justin Williams, right? Uh, All right, that pretty much does it for us. Uh, I believe we're going to be Tuesday, Thursday at home against either the Rangers or the Penguins. Don't hold me to it. Uh, That is just my understanding at this point. We are brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. No place like it. I thank you very much for hanging out on the Cane's Corner podcast. Remember, if you follow us, it shows up automatically on your phone wherever you get your podcast. We're here after every Hurricanes game. Don't you know? We'll see you in round two. This has been the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold, presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. You can listen to this podcast at WRALsportsband.com or wherever you get your podcasts.